Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath. Um, before we begin, I'll just invite you to join me for one more word of prayer, and we will get into this morning's message. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, as we talk about the freedom of surrender, as we talk about what it means to step into you, we just pray that you would bless these next moments, that your presence would be felt here, that you would speak to our hearts, um, and that you would draw us closer to you. Um, Father, you know the needs of each of the individuals here, and we just pray that your spirit would be present, that you would minister to us. We pray in your name. Amen. So uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about the freedom of surrender, the freedom of surrender. Uh, one of our favorite places to visit as a family is uh, is Oahu. I'm just curious, how many of you have been to the island of Oahu? Okay, I feel very exclusive. <laughs> go, go Americans. <laughs> we, we have no excuse. It's right there. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why our family enjoys going to Oahu is, uh, well, Primarily, we speak the language, and so getting around the island is is uh, very convenient, as uh, it's part of the part of the U.S. Uh, there's a lot to do in a small geographical location. There's a good balance between the city and developed areas, and nature, and hiking, and uh, and the beach. Um, but one of the highlights of the trip for uh, for us, or one of the highlights of the trip for me, was uh, a place called Jumping Rock in Waimea Bay, and. Uh, if you drive along the road, there's this protruding giant rock in the middle. Um, I shouldn't say in the middle of the bay, but in, in the bay. And you climb up on this rock, and when you get to the top, you have the opportunity to jump, as you can see here. I wouldn't recommend doing what he's doing over there, but uh, there is an opportunity to experience a bit of an adrenaline rush. And uh, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced cliff jumping or cliff diving or jumping off of a high elevated area into the water, uh, but for me, it was the the... Uh, adrenaline starts pumping as you climb the rock, and you think, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. And you get to the top of the rock, and there's a line of people behind you. And you look over the ledge, and you think, what did I get myself into? And heights have a funny way of, well, when you look at a high place on the ground, it doesn't look that high. And then when you get to the top, for some reason, it feels like you're on top of the Eureka Tower. <laughs> like it just Distance seems to increase as you get to the top of where you're trying to go. And by then, there's too much pressure because people are there, and you just have to jump. And I remember counting in my head, one, two, three. And then my brain saying, go, and my body saying, no. <laughs> and it took me a few times. And it's kind of funny watching each of the jumpers go through that where they're like, all right, I'm going to do it. Uh, do I want to jump? I don't know. Now, the funny thing about this is I think sometimes following Jesus can feel this way. I've got to jump out into the, deep, uh, into the deep. I've got to abandon that which I know and jump out into the unknown. <clears throat> and as I, was reflecting about this, uh, as I was reflecting about this this week, I think one of the reasons why we feel this way is because of the way that the gospel is presented. And if I re reflect upon myself as a pastor and as a preacher, <coughs> sharing with people, what it means to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. I can remember saying it myself. I can remember hearing it myself. Let go of all that you know and jump out into the deep. Once you step off that ledge, there's no turning back. It's a call of full commitment. 
But today I want to present a different biblical depiction of what it means to surrender and follow the will of God. So this morning, if you have your white Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47. And Nyari, can I get you to pass me that little... Actually, that's, that's your Bible. Shane, can I get you to pass me the Bible behind you over there? <clears throat> um, the one behind you, yeah, thank you. So Ezekiel chapter 47, and the majority of our message is based on this text... Ezekiel 47. Now, Ezekiel is such an interesting book in the Bible because there's so much judgment in this book. The majority or half of the book, over half of the book is about how God is going to judge his people. But here at the very end of the book, there's this vision that's given to Ezekiel of what's going to happen to the temple, to the sanctuary. And here it's in this place that I'd like to spend a few moments So Ezekiel chapter 47 is page 706 for those of you who are still getting there. And we pick up here where there is this heavenly being that is guiding Ezekiel through a tour of the temple. And here there's a depiction of water coming out of the temple. If you look at verse 3, starting in verse 3. It says, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, and he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. And so he's given this vision of him walking through this stream, and as he walks through, it's ankle deep. And as you keep reading, I'm just going to narrate for you verses 4 and 5. This guide keeps leading Ezekiel deeper and deeper down the stream. And as you read the text, you find he, he walks, at first it's ankle deep, and then it's, the water goes knee high. He keeps walking, and then the water raises all the way to his waist. And as he keeps following the guide, the water goes over his head, and it becomes too deep to walk through, and he's completely submerged. And now he has to start swimming. The vision given to Ezekiel, I find, is such a great metaphor of what it means to follow God. See, stepping into water feels like surrender because you're leaving dry ground. You're leaving that which you know to be safe and stepping into a place that's foreign. There are three points this morning that I'd like to make when it comes to surrender. The first point is that the water is where God is. The water is where God is. And where God is, there is life. If you keep reading verses 6 all the way to verse 9, and I'll just narrate here. Ezekiel is asked, are you watching, son of man? Are you seeing what's going on? As he looks up, he sees wherever the water goes, it starts uh, flowing down through the desert, down into the valley, and even into the Dead Sea. And as Ezekiel watches the stream, he sees that it becomes this life-giving source. And all throughout the desert, wherever the river is, there are trees, there's life. There are animals. And the specific example of the Dead Sea is given. It says that the salt water will turn fresh and fish will abound in the Dead Sea. Now, this is a significant metaphor because the Dead Sea is known for its mineral salt density. I don't know if you've ever walked through the malls and people are kind of passing out those uh, Dead Sea mud packets or the Dead Sea beauty beauty package. And um, 
there's something about the minerals in the in inside the Dead Sea, or yeah, the minerals inside the Dead Sea and inside the mud that make your skin healthy. Well, because of the high salt content, it keeps any macroscopic aquatic life from living in it, and that's why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea. No fish, no algae, no plant life, um, basically just some bacteria. I'm sure that you've seen those pictures or those videos where there are people that float in the Dead Sea, and the reality is that when the mineral salt dissolves in the water, it increases the density, and basically it, it, makes, the water, it makes you very buoyant. And so it's almost impossible to drown in the Dead Sea. And funny enough, there's still lifeguards like plotted around uh, the shore. Now, when the Dead Sea floods from the rain, the salt content goes from about 35% to 30% max uh, in terms of dilution. But in this verse, it says the water from the temple is so pure, it has the power to bring about life where there is none. It completely dilutes the harsh environment and brings life to a place that's desolate and empty. You know, Jesus used water to teach spiritual lessons. In John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, the text says here, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. See, Jesus says anyone who has need, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who has need, believe in me. See, stepping into water is stepping into belief. Your life will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll find so much life in your heart that will become a river overflowing that gives life to all that is around it. You might be asking, what if I don't have need? What if my life is good? And it's kind of interesting being here in Australia because uh, the government does actually a really good job of giving social support. And in a lot of cases, people are just kind of like, I'm good. My life is stable. But today I want to say that everybody, everybody, everybody has a need. You might be filling it with something or someone else, but there's only one source of water that can satisfy and quench the thirst of the heart, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, we have all sorts of drinks in our house. We have coconut water, we have soy milk, we have fizzy water, we have green juice, we have all sorts of drinks. And as healthy as some of these drinks are, Micah has this ritual where Every time he drinks a glass of something, he has a glass of water in between all of his drinks. So he's like, Daddy, can I have a glass of soy milk? Give him soy milk. Can I have water too? Okay, give him water. Can I have coconut water? Here you go. Can I have water too? And he just loves water in between everything that he drinks. And I just kind of think it's so strange for a five-year-old to love water. You know, when I was five, I just wanted a fizzy drink. Just fizzy drink, no water. And it's so interesting to me watching this five-year-old because water does something for him that no other drink can. It actually quenches his thirst. Did you know that water increases energy and relieves fatigue? It has a property to flush out toxins. It boosts your immune system. It improves your skin complexion. Water can make you beautiful. Drinking water can increase your metabolic rate. It has a great weight loss tool. In two studies, drinking half a liter or 17 ounces of water was shown to increase metabolism by 24 to 30% for up to 1.5 hours. 
the uh, conclusion of the study was if you drink two liters of water, you can burn 100 calories, about 100 calories every single day just from drinking water. The Bible says here in John chapter 4, verse 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The water is where God is. And when you step into God, you step into grace. You step into a source of power that has the power to bring about life. So what does it mean to step into water? Okay, I hear the phrase, believe in Jesus. But what does that actually practically mean? I like to think of it this way. The way that you rely on water for your life, for health, for survival, rely on Jesus in the same way. You need to drink at least eight glasses of eight ounces of water every single day to maintain your health. Taking in Jesus means to be reminded of, uh, to be reminded of him, who he is, what he has done, what he has said. To believe in Jesus is to take in his words and to live them out. To believe in Jesus is to expect that he is our savior, protector, deliverer, our guide, our companion, and king. The water is where God is. The second point that I'd like to make today is that stepping into water is a gradual process. In the vision given to Ezekiel, the water that comes from the temple starts out as a stream turns into this raging river. It starts out at Ezekiel's ankles, and he ends up being completely submerged. He's got to swim because it's gone, the water has gone over his head. As Ezekiel follows his guide, the water gets deeper and deeper. I love this metaphor because following Jesus is not jumping off a ledge into the deep. See, Jesus knows what we can handle, and so he first takes us into the shallow end. And as we mature, as we grow, as we learn to enjoy the water, he takes us deeper. And see, there is a risk, but once you go deeper, there's more freedom. And as you grow and mature and understand God, he takes you deeper and then deeper. Isaiah 43 verse 2 gives this incredible promise as you follow the guide through the water. It says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through waters of difficulty, you will not drown. When we had our boys, and as they were growing up, we kind of thought, oh, we should teach them how to swim. And so we were kind of intentional with how we introduced them to water. And uh, as you can see from this first picture, uh, there is no water. It was just the kiddie pool. And they kind of thought, great, indoor slide. <laughs> they just kind of played in the, played in the uh, indoor kiddie pool. And... Um, as they, get, as they got used to being in that environment, we kind of got this ankle-deep pool filled with water, kind of played with the kids. It was kind of this fun, uh, fun um, exercise for the kids. And as they got older and more comfortable with the water, we started taking them to the pool. But for me, my goal was I want to take them to the ocean because that's, that's where the real fun is. And for years and years and years, I waited for Micah to get comfortable with the water. And... Uh, I don't know if this is going to, well, you, you turn your head this way.
Yeah, this kind of this weird thing as a parent where you just kind of daydream about having adventures with your with your children. And I just kind of thought, Mike is old enough to go into the wave now. He actually enjoys it. To give you an idea, um, this is the first time I took him to the beach, and I thought, oh, he's going to love it. He'll be fine. I'm, my expectations may have been a little bit too uh, too far-fetched, and Mike was scared out of his daylight. <laughs> I just clung to That may look like a hug of endearment, but he's scared for his life, actually. <laughs> he's like, don't leave me in this water. <laughs> What I love about following God is that he guides us through this gradual process of going deeper into the water. That as we are ready, he then challenges us to go deeper. Stepping into the water is a gradual process. The third point that I'd like to make this morning is that when you step away from the water, you have to step away from the land. When you step into the water... You have to step away from the land. The challenge of walking into the water is that it feels dangerous. And the dry ground, well, it feels safe. But the real- And the reality is that there is risk in following God. There's risk in surrender because God doesn't promise comfort. He promises peace. See, dry land seems safe, but complacency is not safe. Staying on the land does not ensure happiness it doesn't ensure life it just means it just means you're avoiding the water matthew 16 verses 24 and 25 says then jesus said to his disciples if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake you will save it I don't know if you've ever avoided surrender before. I sure have. I've had moments where I felt like I was running away from God, away from what I felt God was asking me to do. And you know, I find the outcome is never better than surrender. There's a funny thing about running away. The focus is on the away, not the to. And here's what I mean by that. When you run away, it's more about what you don't want to do rather than what you want to do. I'm curious by a show of hands, how many of you have run away from home before? As a young child, how many of you have run away? (laughs) I I see some couples looking at their uh, partners going, yeah, you. (laughs) Okay. I I, I tried running away when I was a young boy. And uh, this is probably back in primary school. I forgot what happened. I was just mad at my parents. I'm pretty sure my older brother had something to do with it. But I was just upset at everybody, and I was like, forget it. I'm running away from home. And I yelled it out in the house, and I slammed the door, and I walked down the stairs of the house, and I got to the end of the driveway, and I thought to myself, where am I going? <laughs> I was so focused on what I was running away from, I didn't really have a plan of where I was running to. So I snuck into the garage for about 10 minutes and just kind of <laughs> get out there. And that's the thing about running away. It's impossible to arrive at your destination because the focus is on the away. There's only temporary satisfaction outside of God. So there's just this constant running until you step towards God and give in to the river. See, when you focus on the away, you can't ever arrive at where you're going. 
Now, the end of that was I heard my dad eventually yell to my brother, hey, go find Roy. And I could hear my brother grumbling all the way down the hallway. He put on his shoes. And I was like, should I let him? Should I let him go look for me? (laughs) And being the nice brother that I am, I kind of called out. And I was like, hey, I'm right here. And he's like, what are you doing? And then anyway, we ended up clearing things up. There's a man by the name of Peter Mayer. He wrote a song called God is a River. The words go like this. In the ever-shifting water of the river of this life, I was swimming, seeking comfort. I was wrestling waves to find, a boulder I could cling to, a stone to hold me fast, where I might let the fretful water of this river around me pass. And so I found an anchor a blessed resting place, a trusty rock I called my savior, for there I would be safe. From the river and its dangers, and I proclaim my rock divine, and I prayed to it, protect me, and the rock replied, God is a river, not just a stone. God is a wild raging rapids and a slow meandering flow. God is a deep and narrow passage and a peaceful sandy shoal. God is the river, swimmer, so let go. There's a second stanza, but I'll let you read it in the discussion time. But essentially the story goes, the river gently tugs at him, and pretty soon he gets tired and he lets go of the rock, and the river just takes him down these bends and on this journey where there is God. See, there's such a challenge to decide to let go and go into the water and let the water lead you and take you where the river wants to take you. I find the best thing to do in this situation when I get pulled in is to breathe. And it's so counterintuitive to trust that God has your best interest in mind, to trust that God is leading and guiding you. But as you breathe and as you get taken by that river, there's something about that experience and that encounter with God that breathes life into your heart. And it's in that experience that you are able to share that uh, life-giving water with those around you. So today, I want to challenge you. As you consider taking that next step into God, as you consider taking that first step into God, just know that God, where the water is, there is God. Know that God as a guide has your best interest in mind and he'll guide you bit by bit. It's a gradual process. But also know that as you step into the water, you have to step away from land. May God bless you as you consider his word. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, as we consider you, as we give our lives to follow you, teach us to trust in the river, teach us to trust in you, And as we learn to swim, may we enjoy the presence of you. May we become a life-giving source. Uh, May we experience life. May we share it with those around us. We pray in your name. Amen.